Welcome back to Gardening Talk. Back this Monday afternoon, Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you. Good to see you. It's been a few weeks. It has been. The bromance continues. It does. Everything well in your world? Yes, I took two kids uh, shark diving yesterday up near Broughton Island. Oh, okay, that would have been fun. Yeah, I brought two back. <laughs> one, the eldest one tried to tickle one under the chin and it snapped at her fingers, but no. you know, nothing untoward happened. Fair enough. Yeah. That's bound to happen, though. It is, yeah. When you're diving with sharks, you could get bitten. If you play with sharks, you're playing with fire. You are. It kind of. Yeah. What do you got for today, Scott? Yes, look, I thought we'd talk about uh, Mandevilla called Little Beauty. It's a beautiful pink one. Uh, bay laurel trees, if you use that in the cooking. Right, yeah. Uh, also eggplants as well, because I need to find out how to actually get your eggplant to egg. I've never been successful doing that. To get your eggplant to egg. Yes. <laughs> and mangoes. They're all out in flower at the moment, so you need to start spraying for a thing called anthracnose. We'll talk about that as well. And we've got David from Cessnock. He's got a question about crotons. How can we help you with them, David? Hello, can you hear me okay? That we, yeah, mate. Yeah, we can. I have, you know, the multicolour African crotons. It's got uh, bright oranges and red and, and leaves. They're called crotons, aren't they? They are, they are, yes. And uh, they've become leggy and they've they've got the leaves at the top with long, stalky legs below. Can I prune them? Yeah, the crotons are like any other plant. You can give them a, a prune back and they'll really thicken up for you. Uh, it's, so you've got them growing up at Cessnock, have you? Yep. How do they grow through, go through, uh, you know, the cold period, mate, if you get a frost? I'll, I put them in a hot house in the winter. Oh, okay, because usually they don't grow, you know, outside, you know, too well south of, you know, Coffs Harbour, I guess. But that said, there are a few around Newcastle you do see. And I think once you get them up to a certain size, they will uh, do very well. They're a really good plant. They give a really good tropical look to your garden, multicoloured. They're, they're quite tough. You know, there's, the only thing that would really get them is the cold. So if you want to, David, you can certainly give them a prune. Uh, even if you want to sort of prune the whole head off, you'll find that they'll start to shoot, you know, quite full from down below and then to keep it full over time uh, go and give it a regular prune so when you know rather than waiting till it gets a big leggy stalk again go and give it regular pruning it'll make it a really nice little bush for you thank you now the the uh the conclusion i'm coming from from what you've told me is that the reason that the leaves fall off in winter is because they get too cold Yes, they do. They'll shed their leaves. The other thing I've found is that they don't like being incredibly wet as well, but certainly if you get a cold snap, that's going to be the thing that will make the leaves fall off. Okay, thank you. Not a problem, David. You have a good afternoon, mate. Yes, enjoy your show. Thank you. Okay, thank you, mate. Cheers, thanks, David. We've got Cole now from Rutherford, and he's got a question about dwarf fruit trees. How can we help you, Cole? Yeah, some of them say to leave them in a container or can you put them in the ground? Well, I guess that's the fantastic thing about, you know, different dwarf fruit trees, whether, they, you know, they're apples or oranges or, you know, any sort of citrus, whatever you can get. Uh, you know, the thing is that people can uh, grow them in, in pots if they need to. You know, if they live, uh, you know, in an apartment or, you know, you've just got the best spot, you know, on your property is on a veranda or something like that, then, yes, you can stick them in a big pot and they'll do really, really well for you. But that said... Plants always do better if they're in the ground rather than in a pot. Uh, you know, they've got, you know, more oomph, you know, more sort of food there to, to suck up. They've got more moisture yeah. to suck up. So yeah, mate, well, they, say, yeah, they say to uh, put them in pots, that stops them from growing too big. Yeah, well, look, I guess that's also what you're doing, effectively bonsaiing them. Uh, but most dwarf fruit trees will actually, you know, be on a dwarf root stock, so they should, you know, stay small for you. Uh, but look, if you can get them in the ground, they should stay small and you'll get a better, you'll get more fruit off them. You, you'll just get a generally better plant. Right, uh, thanks very much. Okay, not a problem, Cole. Good luck with it, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.
Now, Scott, you've brought in a couple of plants today, and the first one's that nice pink flower. Yes, we better watch out. It's quick growing. It's going to take over the <laughs> studio if we don't watch out. <laughs> don't add water. Whatever you do. Keep it out of the sun as well. Yes, yes. So we'll dim the lights, mate, and it won't, it won't attack us. Beautiful. Yeah, okay. Look, this one's called Mandevilla Little Beauty. It's got a hyphen in the name there, so that's why... You put in the little beauty. Yeah, I put it made a little beauty rather than little beauty. So it looks pretty good. Uh, now, the difference between this mandevilla and others is it's got a really beautiful double sort of ruffled pink flower on it. Greg's right. here having a very close inspection of the flower at the moment. It's a nice little double up, really, isn't it? Yeah, and we always talk about colours here on... Or triple up, I should tri- say. Triple up, yeah. We always talk about colours, and I would say these are pastel pinks. Very pastel. Very pastel. Past- we're talking pastel pinks. Yeah, we are, aren't we? We're not talking bright pinks or anything like that. We're very, very nice plant. Uh, look, it, it is a climb, the mandevilla. Most people, you know, have got the whites or the dark reds. Uh, this one here, yeah, beautiful soft pink. Uh, now, the other thing about a mandevilla is it won't, you know, do damage. It won't sort of sucker on to your wall or your fence or anything like that. You need to give it yep. some sort of structure to climb on. So you can put some wires up and it will climb over that for you. Uh, look, you can cover your fence, uh, use it as a privacy screen. Uh, it will grow in large pots as well. So That's if you've right. got, you know, And you've got all those nice flowers out of the top of it as well so yeah. it doesn't look awful. Yeah, and if you're swimming in the pool and you need some privacy, you've got a narrow area, you know, that's the time to go and, and use that. Um, swimming in the pool and need privacy? Well, some people um, swim in the pool late at night, let's say. Right, okay. Yeah, okay, we won't go any further than that. Now, this uh, one will flower most of the year. It will also handle a light frost because mandevillas are generally a tropical plant, but this one will handle light frost. It's got low water requirements uh, once established, but it does need a fairly sunny position and a good, fertile, well-drained soil. Very good. So good for all around? Yeah, very good for all around, and we'll give you privacy when you're in the pool. <laughs> it's Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7. We've got Linda from Stanford. Mirtha. Mirtha. And she's got a question about bottle brush. How can we help you with the old bottle brush? Oh, well, I'm, I'm just ringing up and, um, on behalf of my son, and he wants to know where he would be able to get it. Is it a clistamine bottle brush or something like that? A clistamine? or a clistamine or something? Yes, yeah, so clistamine is the fancy way of saying it, and that's why we don't use it around here, because we're not fancy sort of guys. That's right. just the fancy way of saying bottle brush. It's the botanical name for it, the, the Latin name. So, yeah, there's many different clistamines. So there's many different, oh, okay. Yeah, well, many different bottle brushes. There's little dwarf ones. I think there's mm. one called Tom Thumb. Uh, and then, you, you know, you get up to Hannah Ray, the, you get a bit much taller ones. You know, they can get up to three to four metres if you mm. want. Uh, so you can also get different colours as well in your bottle brush. You get, oh, okay. Yeah, here we are talking about colours again. You get the bright reds. Uh, yeah. You can get the purples. You can also get white bottle brush as well. Can you get blue? Oh, you can't, no. no don't Just look at that. the sky for that. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, the great thing about bottle brush is they are very quick growing. They bring the birds around as well. Mm. You know, the, the rosellas and the lorikeets, they love, you know, coming in and feeding off the nectar uh, from the flowers because you get a lot, a lot of flowers on bottle brush. Mm. So I guess what your son really needs to do is just pick, uh, I guess, you know, A, what colour he wants right. and how tall he wants it to get okay. and then go to your local garden centre and start asking some questions there and I'm sure right. I'll be able to help you. So they're not hard to get, they're just... Just ordinary, yeah. Not yeah. at all. And I'd say, okay. Stanford Murphy, you're probably close to Heritage Gardens. Those guys yep. up there will be yep. able to help you a treat. Okay, then. Thanks very okay. much. Okay, thanks that. for that. Okay. Cheers, Bye-bye. Linda. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Linda. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got any questions, give us a call on 49216216. We've got Jay from Western. He's got a question about a banana tree. Yeah, I do. Any monkeys there, Jay? Yes, okay. that's it. How's it going? How can we help you with it? Basically, um, I've had the tree for about four years. Um, never got any fruit off it. 
Um, and I finally got a big, I don't know what you call it, like it's a purpley colour at yep. the bottom of the tree. Yeah. Um, and there's about 20 bananas on it. Oh, And fantastic. they're very small at the moment. Yes. But I don't know how to care for them. I haven't done anything to the tree for about four years. With, with a banana, they are fairly easy to look after. Uh, the only thing I'd probably do is, uh, you know, actually try and feed it, give it some fertiliser if you wanted to. Uh, some cow manure yeah. around a banana is going to be fine for it. I guess yeah. when you, once you start getting the hand, which is the, the banana, the big thing that yeah. comes out, that the monkeys love climbing up the tree to get to. Is that called the hand? It's called a hand, yeah, yeah. So once you get the hand, uh, some people will actually cover it. And if you head up the coast, you'll see them covering it to try and keep, you know, insects and pests out of it as well. Uh, you wouldn't, yeah. you don't, wouldn't put anything that's going to sweat uh, around the hand. You might get, you know, like an old potato sack, you know, something that's going to breathe, uh, you know, an old sheet or something like that even, a thin sheet, and uh, you'd wrap that around there just so it can still breathe and ripen and trying to keep those insects out. Okay, no worries. So I could put like a garbage bag and just put a hole in the bottom of it so the moisture can still get out? Uh, yeah, look, I'd be a bit sus about a garbage bag. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they might sweat a little bit in there as well. I'd be more inclined to use a sheet of some, you know, some, something that can breathe quite nicely. Okay, and lots of water, I'm guessing? Uh, you, look, they do like water, of course. Uh, and, you know, if you go and cut into a banana trunk, you know, it's mostly, uh, you know, moisture in there. It sort of goes all yep. splattery when you cut it. Uh, if you yep. cut a banana with a chainsaw, that's an exciting time. It just goes oh, absolutely no. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about the suckers at the bottom of It just depends how big you want the clump to get. Of course, bananas can absolutely take over if you let them. Uh, so if you think that the clump's big enough, then you'd go and just thin it out and take some of those out. Okay, because it's really only three trees that I've got. And yeah. they're about as high as probably five foot tall. They're not very tall at all. Okay, okay. Well, look, bananas can get much taller than that. You know, two and a half metres tall, you can see them get up to. Uh, okay. But look, again, if you, it's, it's up to you how big you want that clump to get. How many bananas do you think you can eat? Oh, I can eat a lot. I'm a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate. Well, good luck with it. Okay, thank you very much. No okay. worries. Cheers. Thanks, Bye. Jay. Bye-bye. Cheers, Jay. There's nothing beats a banana, does there? Uh, I'm going to make a confession. You don't like bananas? I don't know. This is re- all you don't know? No, no, no I don't. Did I add no one to the end of that sentence, did I? Yeah. I, look, I don't like bananas. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Get out. <laughs> that is amazing. How do you not like bananas? I just don't. I know they're a fantastic energy food. I'm sure they're good on toast and all that sort of stuff, but I have too many memories of, you know, my mum sending me to school with soggy banana sandwiches and eating them at, you know, one o'clock after they're warm. Oh, okay. That's yeah. maybe fair enough. Yeah. So then again, she did send me to school with egg sandwiches as well, and I'm not afraid of eggs. You're not afraid of them? No, well, I'll, look, I'll eat them, okay? I'll eat them. I'll eat egg sandwiches. I won't eat egg. I'll eat eggs. I won't eat egg sandwiches, though. Okay. Oh. Really? Yeah. It's traumatised your whole life. Yeah, certain things have traumatised me. Yeah. We'll go, we'll go into it later. That's we'll a, share, that's mate. For we'll another, share. That's for another show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Sharon from East Maitland. She's got a question about an ornamental grapevine. Hey, Sharon, you know they don't fruit. No, yes, yes, no, okay. it's all right, I know that. That's and good, actually, good. I'm, I'm not having any issues with it growing. It's absolutely beautiful. It's only, this is the fourth season that it's been growing and it, it's covering the, completely covering the area that I wanted and gives beautiful shade in summer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, and I know I'm too late to deal with this for this year. I'm thinking of next year what I can do. Now, when it gets the ornamental, the little, you know, ornamental bunches yep. that come out, which, like of course, n- just turn into little flowers. They're yep, like little nodules, aren't they? 
Well, they look like little miniature bu- bunches of grapes. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, last year, I mean, when it started to get these, I used to go out every morning and pick them off with my thumbnail. Yeah. And I didn't have an issue. This year, I didn't do that. I got busy and I just thought, oh, well, I'll just let them go. Well, of course, what I ended up with is because eventually they burst open like little flowers and they send down this really fine... They're quite pretty. They're like tiny little green stars, you know. And, and But, of course, it covers everything all over the plants, all over the table. Honestly, the, it was like green snow everywhere. <laughs> and, of course, it also gives you hay fever. But, one of my dogs, the hay fever got so bad I had to take her to the vet. I didn't know dogs could get hay fever. Well, neither did I, but like, the poor little thing was sneeze, sneeze, sneeze. Anyway, now, I've got a theory, and I just don't know whether this will work. Talking, Thinking about um, uh, fertilisers, now, nitrogen fertiliser will stimulate um, leaf, won't it? It will, and yes. Rather than flower. Yes. And the potassium is going to stimulate flower. It certainly right does. There. We mention it all the time here on the show, yes. sulphate of potash. Yes. So <laughs> what I'm thinking about is come, you know, around about June next year, before, the, before it begins to, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. fruit, if I give the area a, you know, a pretty high nitrogen fertilise, would that suppress? so many of these little bunches of grapes forming, do you yeah. think? I, look, I guess it will in that it won't be promoting the growth mm. of, you know, the flowers and the grapes. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't just do it once. I, if you're going to do it, I'd start, you know, building that nitrogen up in the soil over time. You could even use some old right. grass clippings as well around the around the root system of the well, plant. Well, see, it's, it's growing in a, in a lawned area. Yeah. Like, where, where it's growing from is in a lawned area. Yeah, so I, look, that's only going to ha- work if you, you know, you're cutting the lawn and putting your clippings all around it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, look, I would, yes, I would try and feed it up with nitrogen, sort of starve it of potassium, yes, and, and yes. see what happens to it. You've got happy bees though with all those flowers around. Don't I didn't find it got too many bees because, like, I've got, I've got um, poppies in the garden, so all the bees tend to go to the poppies. Yeah. Um, and I didn't notice any additional bees. You know, no more than would normally be there. I actually, I don't even think I saw a bee. Uh, I know that in the in the middle of summer, it, you get wasps come into it, um, but that's a long time after the flowers finish. So I think the wasps. I don't know what the wasps are coming in for. I've never. They look, they're bitey little buggers. You don't. You don't want them around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they don't bother me. Those ones don't bother. They get up in the leaves and then they just go away. They, okay. they don't really bother you. Yeah, I think it's only when um, you go and attack their nest that's yeah, when they get a little bit cranky. That's right. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough too. I guess if someone was attacking my nest, I'd be a little yeah. bit cranky as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I guess in answer to, to your question, uh, Sharon, yes, try and, and start now and start to build up the nitrogen in the soil and effectively starve it of right. potassium. See what happens next year. Report back to us. I will. Okay, okay thank be fantastic. you. Thank you. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And we've got Scott from Arcadia Vale and he's got a problem with passion fruit. It's Scott to Scott. It's Scott to Scott, Huey. Scott, there you go, mate. Oh, beam me up, mate. Beam me up. I'll try not to get confused. Okay. <laughs> mate, I know uh, you get know, calls about passion fruits. This thing I got out the back was full of fruit in winter. Yep. Overloaded. It lost a lot. And it's just not firing. It's only, like, it's only his second year. 
Okay, so it, it flowered and fruited at a weird time for you, did it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it made up the road. It's done the same thing, but it's just cranking again now, and mine's done nothing. Yeah, look, roses, I guess, are a little bit uh, less touchy than passion fruit, but that said, you know, passion fruit, you know, are pretty easy to look after. I think what it's come down to, Scott, is the, you know, it's, we just get crazy seasons now. All of a sudden, we'll get, you know, a burst of heat, uh, you know, then heaps of rain, and then it'll go away. And so it's probably what the plant's probably done is gone, oh, fantastic, you know, time to fruit, time to, you know, get on with the reproduction of life. And so it's, it's yellow off, yellowed off a bit. So, so what does it need? Nitrogen there? Or? No, look, I'd just be using an all-round fertiliser on your passion fruit, and I think probably just the cold has yellowed it off a little bit. I wouldn't be, you know, overly concerned about that. Hopefully it's greening up now that, uh, you know, that's getting warmer. Use yep. an all-round liquid fertiliser around the base of your passion fruit. Uh, yep. You know, something like Flourish. Uh, or yep. if you want to use a pelletised manure, uh, you can use uh, Martin's uh, Organic Extra. That's a good one as well because it's got all, everything in it that you need and you can just sprinkle that around. Uh, you, you can use the liquid one every couple of weeks if you want to. You could probably use it every week if you truly needed to. Uh, and that's really going to get in there quickly and uh, you know build up the nutrients in the soil uh, for that passion fruit to feed off. Again, if you want to, you can get some sulphate of potash. Yeah, and... potash plus the uh, liquid one. Oh, look, it must be twice as good then. <laughs> yeah, for the bloom, yeah. 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 So give, start using that, mate. Uh, use that regularly and start building that pot up, potash up in the soil and uh, hopefully you'll have a much healthier plant. Right up. Too easy, mate. Okay. You have a good day, Scott. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Scott. We've got Eloise from Edgeworth and she wants to know, is it too late to prune roses? Oh, Eloise, what happened earlier on in, uh, in the year for you? Hello? Hello. What happened earlier on in the oh. year for you with your roses? Oh, um, nothing, they're all good. Yeah. It's just that I didn't get to prune them or fertilise them in July because I was unwell. Yeah. And now they're just about ready to bloom. Um, and I was just wondering, is it too late to prune them or fertilise them now? Well, look, firstly, What's the best thing to do? We hope you're feeling better. Um, you, look, you can. You can prune and fertilise your roses whenever you want. They're just a really, really tough plant. Uh, the trouble is, if they are ready to bloom, obviously you're going to, you know, cut off, you know, you kind of cut off all those blooms and you won't have a beautiful show, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Why not, uh, you know, just let it, you know, have some roses for a couple of weeks or so if it's budding up and then yep. in, you know, a couple of weeks' time, actually go in and give it a prune then. You can still do that. Uh, you can prune, you know, all year round with roses if you want to here in Newcastle. Well, there you go. I've just yeah. learned something. Yeah. So you give, give it a good, you know, good old prune back again. Fertilise it up uh, with some sudden impact, uh, or some, and also some poultry manure as well, uh, because they really, really love poultry manure. Usually about a bucket of poultry manure for each rose. I know it sounds a lot, but uh, it's actually not that much. It's only you know about three you know roses per bag of poultry manure, and they right, really, yeah. really love it. Um, so look, certainly if you need to give them a prune now if they're straggling and you know a bit out of control. Uh, go for it. Uh, maybe just enjoy the flowers for a couple of weeks and um, off yeah, you go. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay then. And okay. that banana story that brought back memories for me as well. Oh, they can... If you go into school, oh. I had the same thing with my mum. Oh. <laughs> don't tell me you don't like bananas either. Oh, well, I can eat them in a smoothie. Ah, okay. Look, can't I can't have them on a sandwich. I think this is a repressed memory that's sort of welling up in me like a volcano. You know, my, my mum's probably going to cop it now from me. Tears. Yeah. How about yourself? You're a bit of a smoothie man as well, or no? No, I'm not either. Nor a protein shake. I mean, you can tell that by my wiry figure. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that, Eloise. Cheers, Eloise. Thanks, Scott.
Thank you. Good luck with it. Have a good day. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back. We've got Diane from Wall's End, and she's got a question about her camillas. Yes, I've got a nice camellia tree in the front. It's quite green, and it flowers heaps, but it's a white one, and I think it must need some fertiliser or something because the buds just get ready to open or open a bit, and then they go all brown and drop off. Yeah, so camellias often, uh, you know, are a plant, uh, you know, that will put on lots and lots of bud. You know, they sort yeah. of you're thinking, oh, we've got to reproduce, we've got to reproduce, we've got to reproduce. <laughs> Heaps of bud out there yeah. and then something might stress them out and they'll drop a whole lot of flower. And so you will get some. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the main thing to do is when your camellia is budding up and you're getting that flower, make sure it's being really, really well watered uh, mm-hmm. so that you've just got nothing to get stressed about. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure that the area is well fertilised. Don't do it when it's flowering though so you really need to start you know fertilizing your camellias now and on into autumn so that they've got it ready to go when they're flowering right there it's a a massive buds and i've got the yard covered in drop-off buds already yeah so it looked like fried (laughs) eggs almost on the ground don't they yeah and and little round ones now the other thing diane i should have asked you uh Mm -hmm. is it this camellia in the full sun or in some shade no it's it gets early morning sun but then it doesn't get any more sun for the rest of the day. Ex- excellent, because now there's, yeah. a, there's an old rule of thumb with camellias that, uh, you know, the red ones will tolerate more sun and the white ones mm. will tolerate less. Less sun. Uh, so th- you've got it, sounds like, in the right position. All I'd be doing is making sure that it's well watered uh, and well fertilised, especially when those buds are coming on. Uh, the other thing that camellias can get are tea mites. You sort of see a bronzing on the leaves uh, and they can also get a scale, which when you turn the leaf over, you sort of see all these little dots sort of raised sort of dots not right. like pimples sort of I know the funny looking little things like little scabs on the bottom of the leaves right. and uh, so if you have a look at those um, see if there's anything there um, look, if you've got a problem take it to your local garden centre and, okay. and they'll be able to recommend a spray to get rid of either tea mite or scale on there right and just the fertiliser what one do you recommend uh, I'd use a camellia and azalea food that you can get them right. all, all sorts of different ones there and okay. uh, also yep. camellias love cow manure so if you want to use something organic uh, right. You can certainly use plenty of cow manure around your camellia, but uh, to promote that flowering, get all that you know those different you know elements and minerals that they need. You can use one of those uh, right. you know one of those sort of proprietary uh, camellia foods you can get. That's already. And when there's about three or four buds sort of together before they come out, should I break some of those off or not? You can disbud the camellia a little bit if you want. Mm. All you're doing is sort of reducing the stress. Yeah. On yeah. It. yeah. Okay. Then. Thank okay. you very much for that. Okay. Not a problem. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Diane. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We headed to Maitland with Mike, and he's got a problem with transporting a grass fern. Uh, transplanting. Transplanting. Okay. <laughs> well, you haven't got a big enough truck, or...? <laughs> no, no, no. How can we help uh, you, Mike? I just want to move my uh, grass fern. It's not doing too well where it is. It seems to be in too much shade, and I'd like to move it somewhere a bit better. So, mate, um, when, when you say grass fern, what, what can you describe it a little bit more for me? Yeah, they're the ones with a long trunk, which are quite black, and they've got the green spears on them. Oh, okay, so you've got a grass a grass tree in that case. Xantharia, that one is, yeah. Now, look, they are very, very difficult to uh, trans, uh, transplant. How long has it been in the position, mate? Uh, four years, five years. Yeah, look... 
they are very, very difficult to transplant. I know, uh, look, when you buy them, a lot of them are grown from seed now, but other ones have been, you know, taken out of the, the, the state forest under licence. Uh-huh. But they actually have to, once they've dug them, they actually have to keep them in their nurseries for, you know, nine to 12 months because it can actually sort of take them that long to die uh, because they are a very touchy plant. Uh, they're also very heavy as well. So, I mean, it's physically trying to move them as, and getting as much soil around the root system as possible is difficult. Uh, mate, I, I would be, you know, loath to recommend, you know, digging up a grass tree as anthurea and moving it around uh, just purely because they are so touchy to, to move. That's also why they're so expensive because they've had to hold them in their nurseries for so sure. long to, sure. uh, to ensure that they're not going to die on, on you. So, look, if you are, you know, if you're sort of resolute in doing it, um, you know, get a couple of mates around, uh, you know, heaps and heaps of soil um, as much as you can, try and lift it up and transplant it to the new position and then right. just keep on watering it and, you know, mate, fingers crossed. Hopefully, yeah. The reason it's not looking very well, the uh, fronds or the spears are all starting to droop. Yeah. Okay, look, the, the other thing you, they can actually get is a scale uh, right deep, deep down inside, you know, in the crevice of the fronds. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to see. Uh, before I'd, I'd think about moving it, I'd probably go and get a product called Anti-Scale mm-hmm. uh, and uh, actually drench down around the fronds with that to see if that doesn't kill the scale. Do it again in two weeks' time after that and see if you get something, uh, you know, something coming good. Um, the other thing you can do is also set it on fire. Which yeah. is yeah, which is what? you know they're great, you know grass trees. Yeah, yeah, that's you know they've got the sort of the the black trunk from when they've gone through the the forest fire, and then the green tuft comes back out the top. Yeah, yeah so uh, if you want to, uh, you can set it on fire and kill the scale that way. Uh, that's probably a bit uh, you know extreme, I guess. You don't want to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you'd set fire to the trunk, I'm guessing, would you? Yeah. Uh, look, yeah, you can just set fire to all all of it. You probably don't want Maitland Fire Brigade calling around no, your place. No. So, mate, I'd go the anti scale option first and drench that <laughs> down there. Okay, thanks. Cheers. No right. worries. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. The technicians at all 4x4 Service Centre are all four-wheel drive experts. But even more than that, they each specialise in particular makes. Amongst other things, this is what makes servicing Land Rovers possible. They're authorised to have the specific diagnostic equipment needed for Land Rovers. They simply can't be diagnosed with general repair shop equipment or general knowledge. All 4x4 Service Centre, next to Australia's largest four-wheel drive spare parts warehouse. All 4x4 spares. Katara. MVRL double four three zero three. Spring racing continues at beautiful Broadmeadow. Saturday, October 15 is the Ronald McDonald House Race Day. Catch all the action of the Caulfield Cup live on the big screens. Saturday, October 29, it's the Steel City Financial Planners Race Day, the NJC's very own Derby Day. The Newmarket Bar is the perfect place to relax and socialise with friends after the races or book a table at Cheval's for the ultimate race day experience. Spring racing at our sponsor, Newcastle Jockey Club, Broadmeadow. Hi, I'm Dennis Stewart. I've practiced and taught complementary medicine for over 30 years, specializing in herbal and naturopathic medicine. Herbs in particular have proven to be very useful in treating functional infertility, in some cases, even where IVF has been unsuccessful. To arrange a consultation to discuss your health problems and the application of complementary medicine to them, call our sponsor, Dennis Stewart, for an appointment. New Lambton, 49562321 or Cessnock, 4991. 
Classic Folk brings you an hour of the best in folk music. With vinyl vault treasures, international singers, local folkies and a yarn or two. We have your folk world covered. So join us, Phil Bates and Jane Klein, Wednesday night at 9 for Classic Folk on 2NURFM 103.7. It's Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon on 2NURFM and we've got Julie from Waratah West and she's got a question about crop rotation of a veggie garden. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, we were just novice at the garden scene. We've canned our veggies. We've had the greens in for the winter period, the giant um, purple mustard leaves. Yes. And I'm just wanting to know what next, what should we plant in that spot? You know, like uh, we've got the soil down packed with the mulch and so forth. But just the crop rotation has got us a bit, you know, we don't know what's happening. That, that, that's all right. Look, it's fantastic you're giving it a crack. Um, not, we need novice gardeners out there. It's yeah. really good. So uh, now, the thing to do is it's sort of tomato time now. It's chilli time. It's time for all those wonderful herbs like basil and coriander that you can grow. Uh, now, for those things, you really need to get some cow manure into the soil because you use nitrogen-rich fertilisers for those green leafy plants in winter. So you'd use poultry manure to build yeah. up your bed then. So this time mm-hmm. of year, you use pol- uh, cow manure. And yeah. the thing to do is you mix it through. You wait a week. You might actually water it a couple of times because you don't want to go and plant you know, fresh seeds or you know, new plants directly into that cow manure because their little fine hair roots will come out and they go, oh, sure. you know, it's, sort of, it's burnt them. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. touching the frying pan. It's not a good good thing for the plant. Okay. Yeah, so cow manure, uh, look, it's tomato season, certainly chilli season. Uh, you can get strawberries growing as well if you want to. And so, like, my question is, like, um, you know, like, for, um, for crop rotation, like, I've had the greens in one spot of my garden. Should I plant something else in that position? Or is building up the soil with the um, cow manure and mulch enough? To plan again. Oh, look, that, that's in that position. yeah. No, look, that that's plenty enough. Yeah, it's, it's. I wouldn't be too concerned about sort of rotating them like that. Sometimes you can get mm-hmm. you know diseases with tomatoes, and so you can get wilt sure. and stuff like yeah. that. And and that is the time when you might actually leave that area fallow for a season, and uh, you know okay. use a different area. But look, fertilising uh, with cow manure, yeah. it's only going to help if you're mulching regularly. The soil will be you know, rich enough okay. anyway. Okay. Well, thanks. That's answered my question. Not Ruby. a problem. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, love. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Julie. We've got got Debbie from the Kilburn Bay, and she's got a question about Clivias. Clivias, yes. Yeah, Yeah, is that how you say it? It is how you say it. Well, that's how I say it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've got a a yellow variety that I bought um, from someone online, and to, well, this is my third summer, and it didn't flower. They told me it would take about two years to flower, but it hasn't this year. So I want to know what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Now, have you got it in a nice shady spot? Because clivias, I have. Yeah, they love I they have. love the shade. And, and look, they will. They, they will flower quite profusely in the shade. Uh, yes. A really, really tough plant. Yeah. And look, I guess they're right in saying that, you know, juvenile uh, clivias, you know, you won't get a good flower head out of those. They need to spread out and get a bit of a clump going. So uh, yep. look, what I would do is I'd start fertilising that area. Uh, use some sulphate of potash as long as the uh, the plant looks healthy and green don't worry about any other fertilizers but if you wanted to promote flowering use that potash the trouble is debbie that they only flower once a year so you've probably yeah. missed it now again until next year that's right all the orange ones are in flower but this little one's just still sitting there it's multiplied inside like it's got yeah. bigger 
but it's, yeah, no sign of any buds. Look, and there's no reason that they, they're just equally as tough as the orange ones. There's no sort of difference uh, with them, so don't be concerned about that. I'll just start getting the fertilising and wait for another year and hopefully it'll yes. be a little bit more mature and uh, we'll see what happens then. Okay, all right, I'll okay. give that a shot. Not Thank a problem. You. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, bye. Jeez, thanks, Debbie. Now, Scott, I think we've got time for one more caller. And we've got Linda from Katara, and she wants to get rid of a large bougainvillea. <laughs> oh, Linda, we can help you there. Tell us about <laughs> it. Uh, you don't want to know. It's the biggest <laughs> thing. It's, uh, we've got four of them, and they're quite old, and they've been really let go, and they're between my house and the neighbour's house, and they're massive. They're growing all the way up through some palm trees, mm-hmm. and we have to get rid of them. They're just terrible things. And I've got some people coming to take it down. They're using a cherry picker and some chainsaws. Oh, excellent. But I wonder, was there something I could do to poison it before they come that might assist with getting it down? Uh, look, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. If, if they're bringing the, uh, bringing the right equipment, the old two-stroke uh, saw, that's going to work a treat on it. However, once it's down to the soil level, uh, I'd grab a drill, and there's a product called Tree and Blackberry Killer, and you actually yep. drill down into the stumps, and you mix it up with a bit of kerosene, and you just... Uh-huh. And you pour that chemical down and it gets absorbed down into the uh, root system of the plant and kills it. So you won't get suckers and things coming up everywhere or anything trying to reshoot. Uh, now, the other thing, once you've done it, usually you, you poison it, you go away for an hour or so, and usually it'll have sunk back down and be absorbed in. And that's when you yep. go and top it up again. The most important thing to do is, uh, you know, once they've actually cut it, don't go and wait a fortnight because that stump might have started to die off and it won't absorb the chemical in very well. So it's really important oh, okay. that you know that pretty soon, you know, I'm not talking, you know, you don't have to be out there as soon as the, the saws stopped you or they're ready with your drill, <laughs> but, you know, like within a day or two, yeah, actually okay. get out there and start drilling in and getting that chemical in. It's called Tree and Blackberry Killer, and it will work an absolute treat. It gets rid of camphor laurel and bamboo and all sorts of stuff. Oh, this stuff, the menace, it's so, it's so prickly. It's really hard to get rid of because you can't get near it. <laughs> oh, look, that's that's right. And if you st- stood still near it, it would probably wrap itself around your neck and, you know, steal your pets yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> Something like that. It's like yeah. the day that's all over again. All right, thank you for that. Not a problem. Good luck with it. Okay, thanks. Okay. Bye. There's a monster in every, Thanks, in almost everyone's garden in the Bougainvillea. In the Bougainvillea. Oh, I've never seen one. Haven't I'm, you? I'm assuming they're not very... I probably have. Look, have you been to Bali? No, not no, okay. Well, that's a, not physically. There's a reason to go to Bali. Just go see some bougainvilliers. Oh, yeah, very good. Okay, well, done. Scott Sharp, a few more things before we wrap up for today. Now, I'm a little bit loath to ask you about eggplant. Yes, I, I actually wanted people to help me because I've tried to grow eggplant before and couldn't get them to egg properly. Mm. Otherwise known as aubergines. Aubergines, yes, yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah, very nice. You weren't expecting that, were no, you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> well, look, I should have. I shouldn't be surprised. You know, a man of the man of the world. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly shouldn't have been surprised. So uh, I just thought I wondered about eggplants. Uh, I know Robert at work has had them growing very successfully. I've tried myself, can't get them to egg, especially the big ones. Maybe it's just me. Right. Yeah. What do you mean by get them to egg? Well, I could never get them to flower and fruit properly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. bit strange. So mm. I was hoping someone might be able to help me out with that, um, rather than me help out someone. We'll sort of reverse the roles yeah. a little bit. That's good. A bit, yeah. of a, bit of a mix-up. Yeah, someone might call up next week and be able to tell us how to get their eggplants to egg properly. Very good. Yeah, it would be nice to know. Yes, they are quite nice eggplants. I can have eggplants, you can have aubergine. (laughs) Apparently they're the same thing. Well, who knew? Who knew?
All right, Scott, have you got a couple other things you want before we go? Yes, look, I thought uh, I'd also just talk about the Hunter District Bromeliad Society. Now, they've got their annual show and plant display on this Saturday, the 15th of October, at Henderson Park Hall, very close to my heart over there. Uh, yep. Went to school very close there. Uh, it's at 38 Lockyer Street, Adamstown. Now, they're going to start nice and early. They're starting at 8.30 in the morning, and they're going all the way through till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Okay, big day. A really big day for them. And, uh, look, they have amazing plants the broms uh, if you want to go and see some incredibly colorful uh you know flowers uh it is really the place to go and see so that's going to be at henderson park hall at uh, lockyer street adamstown between 8 30 and 3 p.m uh on saturday the 15th for the hunter uh, district bromeliad society very good yeah now scott before we do go today i'm actually quite interested in this the bay leaf yes the tree how do you go about it? I wanted to... Well, you can use it in cooking, apparently. So if you've been using growing aubergines, mm. you might be able to use the bay leaf in that as well. Because I only have dried bay leaves. I don't... Yes, that's always been something that's concerned me as well. I've always liked to use fresh bay leaves because I get the dry one out of the cupboard and I think to myself, this isn't going to have much flavour. No, they do. Do they? I don't know. I, yeah. I just double up with them. But, I, yeah, I always double up with the bay leaf as well. I can't believe that one leaf is going to give it what, you know, um, what's his name? Jamie Oliver's always talking about bay, bay leaves. Yep. I thought we'd talk about, about bay. <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd talk about them because they actually make a really nice screening tree as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, and good you know, for you swimming in the pool as well. They could be used for that as well <laughs> if you've got a nosy neighbour who likes peering out in the middle of the night uh, when you're taking a plunge. Uh, but these ones can, they can get quite tall. Um, you know, a bay tree can actually get up to about 15 metres tall. Um, look, they're not the quickest growing plant in the world, but they yeah. are inc- incredibly tough. Uh, they're evergreen, so they're not going to drop uh, leaves anywhere. They have a really, they prune up quite nicely. Uh, so they'll actually tolerate, uh, you know, a little bit of wind and possibly a little bit of frost as well, even some part shade. So if you want to do, uh, you know, a nice screening plant, uh, you could use the Loris nobilis, the bay tree. I can nice. use fancy words as well, mate. <laughs> uh, and as well as that, if you're going to do some cooking, if you're going to do some Jamie Oliver recipes, you yep. can go pick some leaves off and you don't have to resort to the dried ones up in your spice cupboard. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, I've always wanted to get a bay leaf, so bay leaf tree, so okay. it might be an option. Like I might hollowly promise to bring one in for you next week and completely forget <laughs> about it like I usually do. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting to bring the asparagus in for you as well. So. That's right, and something else as well, some herb. Yep, I can't remember what. No, I can't remember either. Oh, good thing I've never offered you a banana. The passage of time, hey. <laughs> Scott Sharp, speaking of time, that is all for us this Monday afternoon. Good to see you again. Good to see you. We'll be back again next week. We will be.